This episode is brought to you by AWOM Lab. AWOM Lab is a creative space that offers membership for women entrepreneurs. The membership includes access to a cafe, high-speed Wi-Fi, a small retail store, and a full-service photography and podcast studio. The Lab fosters women's empowerment and is designed to inspire, motivate, and connect women in South Florida. AWOM Lab also has an in-house creative agency that develops content for female-owned brands. Most importantly, the vibe and energy is that of collaboration and hustle. So if you're an entrepreneur looking to kickstart your business, and need a place to work from or event space, make sure to follow AWOM Lab on Instagram. That's A-W-O-M-L-A-B. GGB is a proud member and we can't wait to see you at the lab. See you there. Girls Gone Boss is a driven women's guide to love, life, and business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Oh, Girls Gone Boss. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's a nice it's a nice morning. I had a I had a great morning. Me too. We came to the lab where you were being productive. Did you go I, to the gym this morning? No. Me neither. But I'm ready to go after. So I came in my outfit because good. then that means I have no excuses. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, because then I just go straight to the gym. I have an 830 class to go to. Damn, you should have texted me. I would have done the same thing. <laughs> I, don't, I, I mean, I just know myself. I know that I can't just. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to do it later. And then I get home and I go straight to the gym. So good. I need to learn from you. Yeah. It's part of my New Year's resolution, actually. I'm excited because today someone that's here. I know. Is a completely committed person to the gym and to being fabulous and working out and and just sweating it out. But like in a sexy, fun way. She is. And every single girl that lives in Miami and possibly New York and everywhere else knows exactly who this person is. I know. She is such a staple to Miami. I'm very excited we get a chance to interview her. She replied really quickly. We were yeah, like, I was very excited. Yeah. Janet replied. Okay, right. go. Get into it, girl. Okay, so our guest today started her career as a professional dancer for the Miami Heat. Faced with a recession back in 2009, Janet Jones Veloso conformed to society and joined corporate America. Janet left that corporate job four years later and more determined than ever. In 2013, she decided to reinvest in her passion of dance. Her experience during her time in corporate America and living that nine to five routine made her realize the absolute need for women to have a place where they can mentally disconnect from their responsibilities, express their emotions in a healthy way, and have a sense of community while improving their self-image and body. That's where the Vixen Workout was born and has since taken the workout world by storm, creating a -a one-of-a-kind experience. The dance format uses commercial choreography, killer music remixes, and stage lighting so you can experience yourself as a performer, so you're basically pretending that you're opening up for the VMAs. Since its inception, Vixen Workout has had over 100,000 participants, aka the Vixen Army, over 250 certified instructors in seven different countries, and has been featured in multiple outlets, including the New York Times, ABC's Nightline, Cosmopolitan, Allure, Shape, Self, USA Today, People Style Watch, and the Huffington Post, just to name a few. Janet is here today to share her insights on pursuing your dreams and exceeding her own expectations once she decided to follow her passion. Welcome to Girls Gone Boss, Janet Jones Velasso. Hi. Hi. Thank you guys for having me. Of, of course. course. We were so excited that you replied so quickly and that you came here today. Well, I loved your, your email and I love like, what you guys are all about. So I'm excited to support you guys and be here. Oh, likewise. Likewise. I feel like you have such a great story and I've been to your classes. So it's great 
very I want to know like how the inception of everything came about. We can start just like I know dance has been a big part of your life yeah. from very young. When did you start getting that dance bug? Um, I mean, it's really all I know. I started dancing at the age of three. Um, and then my parents were the kind of parents that believed that every hour after school should be accounted for. So I was either dancing or doing piano or taekwondo. And it was really just extracurricular activities until like nine o'clock at night. And that was my life every single day. And then it wasn't until I got older, um, I would say around middle school, that my father started to get sick. He was a diabetic. And then the diabetes caused, um, he got gangrene in one of his feet. And so he had to have one of his foot um, feet amputated. But then that foot went to the other foot. And then he had amputations little by little until he was finally a double amputee over the knee. My mom then had to become the primary breadwinner. And by that time, I had entered high school. So then the moment I could, I got a car and I had to be the person who takes him to his um I'm sorry, to all of his appointments, comes back. I had to learn how to clean amputated wounds and be that person for him. Obviously, that's not normal for a teenager. And I didn't know how to process my emotions. But you also don't have time to even right. deal with it. It's like you have to do what you have to do. You have no other choice. But so that was a time when dance became something completely different. Um, it healed me. You it was know? your outlet. It was more than that. It was more than that. So like everything that I was going through, all the pain, it wasn't letting me keep it inside. I would just express it through everything. Um, so once that happened, dance became almost like I needed it. Like it was the greatest love of my life, something that I absolutely needed. And then I became pretty good at it because I spent so much time doing it. Um, and I was able to make a career out of it. Wow. And were you an only child? No, I have a brother who's amazing. Got it. But you felt like it was like, how old were you? Like in high school, you said? Yeah, 15, mm -hmm. 16. My whole high school. That's when it got pretty bad. Got it. And then you use this as a way to kind of therapeutic yeah. for what you were going through, an outlet to like let it go and just be you and feel like free, right? Yeah. Every, every moment that I had available, I was in the studio dancing. Awesome. And then from, from there, when was your first like actual like dancing paid gig that you got because you went to college first and then you were dancing for the heat or was it yeah I went to Florida State University okay. and I did four semesters there as a dance major because I really wanted to be a ballerina but my thighs were really big um so my dad got really really sick as in we got a call saying like listen your dad's not gonna make you, you need to come home so then that was that summer and then that summer I decided you know what I don't know if he's going to make it. So I don't want to go back for fall. I'm going to stay home. And I accompanied a friend to go to the Miami Heat tryouts. And then I happened to make it. Oh. So, yeah. So then that's how that all happened. So you weren't even like intentionally going to. No, I was just accompanying her. And, yeah. and then what? They, someone just <laughs> saw you like, try hey, out. you should try out. Well, I just went to the tryouts. Like she was like, come with me. If you don't come, I'm not going to do it. I was like, oh my God, fine. Oh, fine. So yeah. it's like, yeah. okay, okay. Kind of like thing, with yeah. her like, oh, I'll try out. Just exactly. Yeah. Like, did giggle. she make it? Uh, yeah, she did. Oh, okay. So it wasn't awkward. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. Awesome. That's, that's better. <laughs> and then how was your time with the Miami Heat? It was a great catalyst for my professional career as a dancer just because you had to learn several routines in one practice. So practices were about three hours. You had to learn two or three routines. Then you had to perform them that same week at a game. So you had to 
turn around your performance super fast and you had to be perfect and you had to know how to do your hair and your makeup and speak to people and be almost like a brand ambassador on top of all of these things. And it was a great, it was great practice as to like, whatever can go wrong will go wrong and knowing how to manage that. So I loved my time there. That what I like about it, it's like every, I have a lot of friends that have either cheered for the Dolphins or the Heat. Yeah. And it, they're so disciplined. Yeah. And they, I feel like, well, you did ta- Taekwondo, you said, when yeah. you were a child. That's also a lot of discipline. So I yeah. feel like you've been groomed to have a lot of discipline throughout your entire life. Yeah. So I think that that's also like one of the reasons that you're so successful too. Thank you. You're I, welcome. I would say. <laughs> yeah. No, discipline, especially in any athletic yeah realm like it's important yeah 100%. and it sets you up for your future too and a lot of people don't realize that but that's why a lot of parents put their kids in sports and in after school activities because no and especially that now that i employ people i could absolutely tell someone who comes from a sports background or someone who was very dedicated to extracurricular dance or something in sports they're completely different people than people who did not wired differently yeah completely wired different as in people who did not will work a little bit and just feel like they deserve something. Okay. Whereas people who come from sports have like a different bar for excellence. A different dedication. Yeah. Like their standard is just excellent and they put out excellent work ethic. Right. Because they they don't, there's no failure for them. It's like you win or you win. So they go all out. Exactly. They don't expect like a good job. I think when you're in extracurricular activities as a child and as a kid, there's also expectations for your academics to be on point as well. So it's like you learn how to balance both like the athletic side, but then also you have to be on point with your grades and and know that you have to set aside time to do homework and study. So it helps you like also like to time manage, Mm -hmm. which is important as an adult. Mm -hmm. So then from there, what you went, you got a nine to five job. You left dance behind or you started dancing more. No, no, no. I, um, I always knew that I had a special, um, knack for choreography since I was little, I was able to feel music deeply and able to see music for some reason. So choreography always just came naturally to me. And I decided that I wanted to be a choreographer, but I had no experience being a choreographer. So my father always taught me that you, if you want to like be something, always learn from the best. So I became an assistant to who, someone who was the, the best choreographer at the time. And he became like a mentor to me. And I learned everything from like how he likes his coffee to how he listens to music, even from like what headphones he wears and how he organizes his playlist, just everything. I absorbed everything. And that was the best experience because at the time he was doing artistic development for um, Britney Spears before she was famous and Sync before she, they were famous. Like he was just in the hub of that pop explosion and I was there helping him through that how did you connect with him um he saw me at a heat game <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it circles become so circles. it gave you a lot of visibility uh, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah he saw me at a heat game and then I started teaching at his conventions and he I learned everything from the whole music industry from the choreographer creative director standpoint so I loved being part of the entire process not just the dance that was just a small part of the planning you know everything from how to hold the mic and teaching someone to walk the stage everything was just fascinating to me yeah because as an artist I mean I work in the music industry I know that putting on a show it's not just like oh let me sing in front of this crowd like there is a strategy to everything movements and like from playlisting what song should go first the set list everything exactly strategy and especially Especially since, I mean, there's art, there are artists who are brilliant 
vocalist, but put them on stage and the talent doesn't translate. So seeing them make stars out of people was something that I always was loved, loved, loved to be part of. Yeah. Becoming that entertainer. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a difference. Oh, for sure. Wow. Okay. And so he's worked with Britney. He worked with NSYNC. Everyone. Usher, Michael, everyone. And then after him, I was able to work closely who's someone who's a, still a dear friend of mine with Glenn Douglas Packard, who's Emmy nominated for his work for Michael Jackson. And he worked with Pink and Usher. And it was the same relationship. So for most of my 20s, I almost had no... Making money wasn't a thing or ha- having any type of notoriety was a thing. For me, I just wanted to absorb everything right. that I could and learn as much as I could. And mentoring, which I think it's almost some, it's something that people don't do nowadays because I feel like young people want to skip all that and just have the big title or there and the fame. Right. It's true. Or there isn't enough mentors out there that yeah, are like... Maybe. That are like... Because oh. it takes a lot to be a mentor. You have to be very secure within yourself in order to mentor someone else because a lot of people feel like if I mentor them, then they're going to surpass me. And that's not necessarily the case. Like you got to like kind of help each other out. And Yeah. And I think that a lot of people nowadays come in and they're like, I'm too much to make to coffee. Right. Yes. Yeah. That might be a millennial I, thing. Yeah. I'm too much to like... I'm more than this. I could be doing more. I'm not going to be. And no, like I like I was if he asked me to, you know, change the trash. Just me being there was such an honor for me. And I think that that's kind of lacking nowadays. Like like I was so excited to work hard and so excited to learn all the steps, even the smallest parts, because I felt like that was equally important. Yeah. And it became so valuable to who you are today. Yes. Because I think if you hadn't done gone through that schooling, which is the experience part. Because, yeah. yeah, you probably knew the technical side and the choreography side. But like the the little details, 100%. right? 100%. Right. Like you couldn't have learned that in classes. No, at no, FSU, no, you can't. So, no. so how valuable was mentorship? No, it's like the most valuable we need to like start a mentor program for like girls. We, we should. Of, we actually, that's one of like the goals that we had was to start doing something with mentorship too. So yeah, definitely. It yeah, because I be, think it's a also like, it's a conversation that people don't want to have. Like, how do you ask someone to mentor you or how does it, how does that relationship come about? You yeah. know? Um, and then also what you said is that I think nowadays the generation is more like, no, I got this or I'm too good to like, right get coffee or when I was an intern I was like doing everything and anything I wasn't like questioning things I wasn't giving no one attitude same asking for corner office on the first day you know yeah but yeah we should definitely so then that okay those relationships led you into building I had a lot I got a lot of relationships that were unique to me especially in Miami that back then the music industry in Miami was still very Latino. And if you wanted to work in the commercial industry, which is what I was doing, you had to be in Los Angeles. And New York was still very Broadway. And yes, you did some stuff over there, but everything was in Los Angeles. So because of my father, I couldn't move to Los Angeles. I did a move for a little bit. I, I was able to go up there for about almost a year, like eight months. Um, and I made huge connections over there because I was the right-hand person to these important people. But then I wanted to make my place in Miami and I believed in the talent in Miami and I believed that what Miami's a beautiful city. Like, there's so much talent there. Why is it only in LA? We could get talent in Miami. We th- These jobs need to come to Miami or at least audition people in Miami. So I started an agency 
called the Joan Talent Agency. And basically when people would call me looking for dancers, I would be the one to have the audition and provide them. And then I also provided them with stylists and makeup artists and hairstylists and the whole thing. So I was a contact person for labels or artist managers, and I would kind of just set everything up for them. For the award shows? For award shows, for videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For award shows, for videos, I was kind of just, they trusted me, so it was really cool. That's great niche to have. I mean, it was like, it wasn't here, it wasn't available at the time. No. And you saw an opportunity to, and it was during that thriving time in music, right? Yes, yes. And then it just went well, yeah. Down. Once the recession happened, dancers are a luxury. So artists and labels weren't spending money on dancers. Whereas before, they'd be like, hey, Janet, I need 50 dancers for this award show. They'd be like, we're not going to have dancers. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Cutbacks, right? Yeah, cutbacks. And then during when that happened, all of my friends, I was the only one who kind of took the road not taken. And they had been in their jobs for years and married their college sweet sweetheart. So like that whole ladder climbing, they had, you know, gotten here. And then being a risk taker, you go really high and then you go really low and go really high and really low. And it was a time where I had been in a low for a while. And when you're in a low for a while and you don't have people surrounding you that know what it's like or can provide insight or push you. You question everything. And when you're in that state of mind, one person be like, Janet, I mean, come on. How long are you going to do this for? That's all it takes for you to just leave everything when you have so much doubt. Like it takes, you have to be really strong minded to be like, no, I believe it when you've been in a low for such a while. So I gave it up. I convinced myself. So question, within the time you were having this agency, you still felt low because you, in in that case, you weren't dancing. No, I loved, Uh I loved taking a backseat. As in, I loved dancing, but that didn't fulfill me. That didn't fulfill my 100%. I still had so much more in me that I was good at and I wanted to explore. I, I loved producing. I loved developing artists i love you know someone telling me what their vision is and putting the right parts together so that it's it becomes magic on stage i love that all of that and dancing only tapped into a very important aspect but i had more in me got it Mm -hmm. and then the recession and everything it just kind of combined into like it was kind of slowly that part of your life was ending i yeah i was craving stability i was craving just a stable safe ground right because you see everybody around you who having gets a paycheck safety, every two exactly, weeks exactly and having these safety lives and they have and benefits yeah. you don't know what your next check is or what you're exactly. going to be doing your next gig and then that's when you're like okay you need to get a nine-to-five i need to become an adult right yeah I at that to- point you were how old i was 27 and you're like i have to go into corporate america yeah and i you felt like you were like putting in the, like throwing the towel like, yeah i felt like okay I felt like that timeline that we grow up hearing since we're little was like ringing so loud as in like, okay, you're about to turn 27. That's three years till 30. You need to find a husband, get pregnant and get your life together. Because if you don't have it together by 30, you're going to explode and the world's going to end. That's how I felt. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I feel. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I felt like I needed to do all of these things in such a short span. So what happens when you have that timeline in your head? You make really bad decisions for yourself. Yeah. Because all about the timeline, decisions. not anything like 
What's gonna and who creates that stupid timeline? You know what I, I mean? Know. Like, right? No, it's no, like no. the world. I think it's like abuelas. No, and it's, <laughs> yeah. and it's marketing because it's like people they want to like ha- people spend money on a wedding, spend money yeah, on a ring. But you know? then like it's, it's abuelas like, too. Like by the time you turn eighteen, it's like that's true. Tu me va a dar un, un nieto. nieto. Right. You're like damn, grandma. Like <laughs> it's true. You know, yeah. Yeah. Ay, abuelas. <laughs> so then from there, you how did how, what happened that you? I got a job and I. I found someone. I got married. Mm-hmm. How did that happen, girl? He was there. The first guy there. At the job? No. <laughs> Like, oh, no. Wow, I need to get a new job. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, it was just, you know, in the timeline, he happened to fall in the timeline. He wanted to get married. You fit into my timeline. I need to find a husband before 30. And that's what it was. Oh, right. got it. You know, uh-huh. and then I got a job in corporate America in finance of all things. Oh, my God. That's but did, so, you go to, did you study that at all? Like, no. Oh, but no. how did you end up in that? Being the, so um, like, I tell people like the only numbers I've ever dealt with are like five, six, seven, eight. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like, it. <laughs> like I don't even know, but I just felt it's like we could convince ourselves of anything. And I convinced myself that I couldn't be loved having the career that I had. Because my relationships, I was so unlucky in love because of my ambition. Um, and all my friends who were married and had kids were, I don't want to say normal because they're amazing women, but they were normal. They had corporate jobs. They had, you know, they didn't do anything out of the ordinary. And I made myself believe that in being extraordinary, you couldn't have love. So I decided to choose love because I believed that having a family and kids and that whole life would lead to my happily ever after. Right. It was part of that process to get there. Yeah, it was part of that. So I left this going for happily ever after. Wow. What happens once you climb that ladder? You're like, oh, shit, this is the wrong wall, y'all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The wrong ladder, you know. So, Reverse. So you did four years in corporate America. Yes. And do you remember the exact moment when you thought to yourself, I can't live my life like this anymore. Like I need to go back to dancing. Um, no, it wasn't a moment like that. It was weird. Like it was a, how do I put it? For, for at first it felt really good to be normal, to just wake up, go to a job, get paid every two weeks, Nothing stressful happens. Nothing great happens either, but that's okay. Like It's, it's just, safe. It's safe. Right. You know? And nothing happy or amazing happens in the safe zone. But nothing terrible either. Like, right, it was right, just, right. like, <laughs> there. And at first, that felt nice. But then what happens is that you get really comfortable with comfort. Yeah. And you get really comfortable with that middle line that nothing bad happens but nothing great happens either. And you could live your whole life like that. And once you succumb to that routine of the nine to five, add a new baby to the mix and the nine to five to then come home and serve the baby and serve the husband, do it again, nine to five, serve the baby, serve the husband, nine to five. Like what happens to a woman is that we, I feel, are natural martyrs. So I remember... It was like from one day to the next where I passed myself in the mirror and I looked at myself and I didn't recognize the person that I saw. And it it was almost like it was a parallel universe. Like I remember the life that I had, but that was another lifetime. 
I felt like I was like reborn and this is a new life and I'm a new and a new skin a new weird it was like trippy and that's how I lived and I was okay with it because I was like okay this this is happily ever after I'm the one with the problem right like what's wrong with me what's wrong with me yeah. I'm the but per- there was always something in you calling you to like this is not it though yes but the mind is really powerful and we're able to like shut that off for a while because also we're women and we think of others first and you're like oh my my daughter my husband i need to like exactly do what i have to do for i that. need to be a wife i need to be a mom i have to exactly right. i need to be a wife i need to be a mom but what i was doing and i think so many women do it is that i'm janet jones and i was so clear on who that person was but then when i became a wife i felt like okay i'm not janet jones anymore i'm a wife and then when i became a mom i'm like okay i'm not janet jones anymore i'm a wife and a mom and i didn't know how to not compartmentalize like how to not put myself in those boxes and still be me if that made sense i had to be these roles and i pretended for a while as long as i couldn't pretend anymore and when i couldn't pretend was because i had fallen into such a deep depression that was so weird for me considering my background and what i went through that what i went through was really terrible as in like dude i was 15 cleaning amputated wounds like that's not something that you're anyone should see it's awful and that didn't affect me but putting myself in a situation where i was living in flatline and the routine every single day what it did to my spirit it put me in such a deep depression that i remember for the first time in my life being able to relate to people who commit suicide and i'm not saying that i ever planned or anything like that but it became almost romantic right it was you were at that low yeah it was it i would romanticize about it being like Maybe I'm better off not here. Yeah. No, I I can understand that. I yeah. think that's very normal. And actually. I think I commend you for saying yeah. that. Yeah. Because, because I know it, a lot of people think about those things and they don't share. And it. they don't say it. No. Mm-hmm. And then I remember when that became to me not getting out of bed for 3 days. And then that became from me being home alone with my daughter and letting her cry for hours because I just didn't feel like getting up to go comfort her. I just I don't know. I couldn't explain. I could I just didn't feel like it. There's nothing yeah. in me that made me want to do anything. Because of her is where I was able to be like, holy shit. And because of my mom too. Like you think to yourself like, dude, I have such an amazing mom. My mom like went through the gutter for me and my brother, went through everything with my dad to make sure that I had a great life and I'm here giving up. Like I felt like I owed it to her and it was like a slap to her face for me to just do that. and then also the responsibility of my daughter i was like no i can't i can't do this i can't do this anymore i didn't know what the hell i was going to do but in that moment i remember that all the numbing that i was able to do those few years like that just came raw and i was able to just feel everything and everything became so intense that like i knew exactly what i needed to do and that was get the hell out of that situation so i literally got a trash bag put whatever clothes I could in that trash bag, grabbed my kid and went to my mom's house and I'm like I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm starting over. Control alt delete and that's where I made the break of that time of my life. 
I didn't know what the hell I was going to do for money. I didn't know anything, but I knew that I had to do something because I felt like if I felt that way, oh my God, my friends, that's all I could think of. I'm like, my friends, they don't know any different. They think that this is happily ever after. I know different because I had a different life. I was on stage. I was a performer. I had like this life where I was so alive and so in line with who I was and in line with my purpose. So I was like, holy shit, my friends don't know. <laughs> I got to tell them. I got to tell them. I want to share it. Right? <laughs> yeah. I got to tell them that it's like they think that this is happily ever after. They think that this is what life is. No, they have no idea. So I was like, how am I going to let them know? And I'm like, the only thing I know is dance. The only thing I know how to make a living out of is dance. So I had to start reaching out to my old contacts and then be like, hey, I'm back. <laughs> I'm Janet back. Jones yeah. is back. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm back. I'm like, if you need any work, if you have any this, da, 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 da. and then I literally was like, you know what? I want to start teaching again. I always loved teaching children. And I was like, I want a dance studio to teach children ballet and hip hop and jazz. And, you know, I'm passionate about that. So we were able to get a small studio in, um, by Little Havana. And literally it was like in two weeks I had opened. Like it was like not planned at all. We opened in two weeks. That was like in September. And I was like, all right, well, I don't have enough kids to like pay my bills yet. So I'm going to add like a workout class so that um, moms could come in who have children and it could filter to the thing. So I was like, all right, well, at a Zumba class, I called like a few people who I knew um, who knew Zumba instructors and I couldn't afford them. So then I was like, you know what? I'm a choreographer. I could put something together, you know? So I literally invited my friends and my first class was my friend and a cousin. And I planned the class the same day that I taught it. So I know that I wanted it to feel, I know that the purpose was I wanted my friends to feel what I felt when I was on stage, you know? So I was like, okay, what do I need for that? I need lights. My aunt had bought me a spotlight at a garage sale. <laughs> so it was literally like two garage sale spotlights. And I turned off the lights and I put them on to choreograph. And that moment where I turned off the lights and it was just a spotlight. And I could feel the heat, which reminded me of like what it felt like to be on stage. And I felt like 300 pounds just fell off of me. Like I started sobbing uncontrollably. And it was like, holy shit, this is me. I you felt like yourself. Here I am. I forgot this. This is me. It's like all of a sudden, like you came alive. Yeah, I came alive. And something as simple as that with two garage lights. And then everything just started coming to me. Like I remembered all of my experiences putting together a show. What's the intro like? You know, what's the middle like? What's the belly of the concert? How do you end? You end strong. You add different momentum. There's like, you know, the super strong parts but then you have to balance it out with slow parts and you have to make it easy for them to follow because they need to feel like they're part of it I'm not entertainment they are part of this visceral experience with me I'm not the star they are the stars so doing it that way I was like okay this is what it is and it was literally for my friends and then that's how Vixen started October actually like the end of 2012 was my first class and it was like two people two and, people mm -hmm. and then what word of mouth it was i think it took about two months for people who weren't in my cousins <laughs> somebody you didn't know right? someone i didn't know to come <laughs> and i remember that i would come home to my boyfriend who's my husband and i'd be like babe 
five people <laughs> who I didn't know came to my class. We made it. We <laughs> made it. We gonna live today. Yeah, I was so excited. He'd be like, babe, we're gonna get the big Nutella jar. Like it was Aww. like, oh. But what, did, what did you see in those like five women that, that first came to your class and started seeking that? Like you, it must have moved you some way. You know what? I have the bad quality. It's a bad quality and a good quality is that I'm, I'm programmed to put out excellent work, but then I'm not programmed to um, celebrate it or, or to be like, damn, that was good. I'm on programmed to look back at it and see what mistakes I did. How could I improve for the next time? And that's so I've never Are been you a Virgo Aries. Oh, OK. okay. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've never been able to almost like celebrate it. So the moment I go into class, I go back and like, OK, I messed up on the first one. I did it. How do I improve it? I didn't think that they vibed on this one. How do I improve? How do I improve? Um, so I don't I miss a lot of things where my boyfriend, who was well, my husband, um, was the biggest cheerleader for me. And he saw it before I did. And he'd be the one like, babe you should see how these women come out of your class. Like, they're just so excited. And you could tell at the moment they get out, they call their friends to tell them about this class. Like, you have something big here. And I'm like, oh my God, babe, no. Like, it's not, this is like, I'm 30, I'm, I was 30, 31, I was 30. And then I was like, babe, I can't start like a hip hop workout. Like, I'm 30, come on. I have a child, like, I'm not going to go through what I went through to do this. Come on. And he's like, no, 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 you have to. So then I stuck to it for a while, but still people weren't coming. Like it was like maybe like eight, 10 people. My mom was like, Janet, we need to have a conversation. Come to my house. So I go to my house and it's my mom, a tia, um, a friend who's like a priest. Like they had an intervention. No. Yes. About Vixen? Yes. A priest. <laughs> <laughs> so what did they say? They said that, no, that listen, that they like all of the sacrifices that this family has made that I need to focus on teaching children not this hip-hop workout and I was like mom I know Tr but mom, trust me on this I know what I'm doing no I didn't I didn't know what I was doing I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> but I was like mom you know it's you just it's, didn't want to hear it you're I like okay mom. Hear it. I know right. I'm like are you serious you having an intervention it's so embarrassing yeah. right. and how yeah. proud is she now oh now she's like I knew it from the beginning <laughs> <laughs> right I went through the same thing with my mom yeah. she didn't want me to do TV or like music or anything and she don't, she was like oh, I know me huh? go to do business or something safe and now she's like yeah my, yeah, my girl it. she works so hard yeah. I had the opposite really oh yeah my parents like pushed me to broadcasting since middle school they were the ones that cool parents. made me go my to broadcasting school. school oh they're yeah. cool yeah yeah, yeah. So I got lucky in that sense. But when you started that with your cousins and like the five girls in, in the studio that you had in Little Havana, yeah. was it already branded Vixen Workout? or It was how called Video Vixen. Video Vixen. Okay. Yeah. It was called Video Vixen. And then it went into Video Vixen Fitness. And then someone told me that's too many words. So then I did Vixen Fitness. And then it ended up being Vixen Workout. Okay. And I think it's a catchy name, and it, oh and, yeah, and, and it induces like this feeling of like I'm a vixen. Like, oh. I mean, well, some people don't get it, especially the young girls. I feel because I grew up with MTV. Me too. Yeah, well, we worked. We worked. We oh. Work. oh my god, you're so cool. Yeah. But like, I grew up like <laughs> she's so funny. Like my summers were like me and my little brother. Like this is all we did. We would watch MTV and we would memorize the all the choreography. Part. Yeah, and like if someone dropped an album, we would wait in line at Specs. 
to get our freaking cassette tape or CD. Come back. If there's a video premiere, what? Is your brother a dancer too? No. Oh, okay. No, he's just amazing. <laughs> he should have been. He's better at it than me. Really? Like, yeah, he has more like a natural ability. For me, it took me like 10 years to like do spirit fingers. <laughs> but um, So the world premiere is a video. Oh, do you remember that though? Yeah, yes. that we would wait. Like I think TRL would have them. Yes. Or- it was, yeah, yeah. it was such an epic time. Or the making of the video. Yes, it was with such... With like um, Little X and um, yes. what was the other directors that were like popping around um, that time? Um, Hype Williams. Yes. Oh. I think I saw you in a video. Oh my God, which one? <laughs> yes, you were in a lot of music videos, right? Because during that time, the video Vixen was like a big thing. Like yeah. they would use a certain amount of very like handpicked women in videos and it was always the same, the same girls women, and right. they became like the Melissa Fords of mm-hmm. the time they became really yes but even prevalent then, yes but even like that's like the hip-hop video right. but even like the pop video like the star of the video was like everyone wanted to be the lead in the music video starting from Michael Jackson's The Way You Make Me Feel or like you know everything being the star of a music video was everything it was so glorified yes you know and that's something that always stayed with me. So I that's why I wanted to call it Video Vixen because I wanted everyone to feel like the star and feel like that, like, wow, she's like the star of this thing. No, yeah, I, I've done the class. And even though I was in the way back because it gets packed yeah. when you were at yeah. Soul. What Body and Soul. Body yeah. and Soul. Um, but you still feel, and it's dim enough that you don't have to worry about people looking at you. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, you get really into it and she like teaches it in a very easy way that you feel almost like a little Beyonce-ish, you yeah. know? And I'm not mad at that. I love babe. <laughs> and I'm sure she inspired a lot of this, right? Well, yeah, because I think the Beyonce's and even the J-Lo's of the world, it's, they have a, a kind of sexy that's elegant. And a kind of sexy that people don't feel naughty or feel like it's a bad thing. Right. It's not ratchet. It's not sexy. ratchet. It's- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like an elegant sexy that everyone is okay. And everyone is like, wow, I, I can't be her. That's like up here. But when you start doing moves that are familiar because you've seen them on these icons, you're like, oh, shit, I could do that. Oh, wait, look at. Oh, well, well, I'm about to take her job. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get me an A-Rod. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then, okay, so then it turned from five. Now you have how many girls? 100,000 you've had in the past? Well, yeah, what's crazy is like from literally from one, from one day to the next, the five turned into 50. And then I had to open a class every single day. Then I had to open multiple classes every single day. Then I started opening up little locations. And then... Around March, so we weren't even open. That was like, so our first full month was like November, December, January, February, March. On our fifth month, I remember that I get to the studio and our booking list said that we had 125 signups. So I thought it was a glitch. So I was like, oh, for sure they're like doubled up. But then they weren't doubled up. And so we start calling people and be like, did you sign up for this eight o'clock class today? They're like, oh yeah. And I'm like, oh shit. So I called the gym that was close to us, body and soul. And I'm like, hey, so we have a big problem. Do you have occupancy at your eight o'clock? Because I need to move my class tonight. I don't think people are going to show up. It's probably going to be 50. But just in case, I need to use a space. The 125 people showed up. It was, I don't even know how we fit that many people in that space. But then after that day, a hundred people showed up the next day, but and the next. But day. I heard that you you thought it's only this one time. It'll, yeah. it won't happen again. I told him, yeah, I was like, it's this one time. 
just do me this favor. But no, we had to literally move all of our operations literally from one day to the next because they were coming in by the hundreds. And people would wait in a line. Like you would see the line down the block. That's how the army happened. Right, okay. Because then we would see the line down the block and then we'd be like, holy shit, they look like an army. Vixen and then it'd be army. like the Vixen army, yeah. Wow. So then that's a lot of Nutella. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, have you seen those big ass jars? Yeah. get the big ass yeah. <laughs> Wow. How did that just change you? Like in a way like, wow, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because it came really easy. It made you feel it's like. natural. It flowed. It came easy. And I've had to work so hard sometimes to be still in like a rut and like a gray cloud. And you work so hard and you work so hard. And it feels like hard work yes like you're exhausted and you're like oh this was work i hate it it's like oh you feel like hard work and you're still in a rut this felt so easy and felt like i would do it for free like it just felt like it's the thing that makes me the most happiest and then doing what makes me the most happiest something that's so easy and flows out of me so naturally would have that type of reaction just as like okay i'm in line with what i'm supposed to do Sigue adelante. You know what I mean? I'm on the right road because the universe just opens when you find that right road. It just starts creating opportunity. Yeah. Opening doors. 100%. And that's why like when you're in a rut, that's the universe telling you to find another road. And then when you don't listen, it starts to get more dramatic and more dramatic and more dramatic. And it's like, chica! <laughs> yeah. Wake up. They're, you're getting the signs. We're just, we're just not listening. We're exactly, not listening. Right? And then they have to do something really dramatic for you to wake up. And now you're in seven countries. Yeah. That's what crazy. What countries are those? Well, it's wild because we just opened um, Chile. I've never even been to Chile. Like, I've only had like Chile from Wendy's. Like, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just to kidding. So funny. But no, I've never been. This is like so crazy. And we opened in Chile. In Santiago? And, yes. And the opening was huge. Like hundreds of women huge and you didn't go no we have a certified instructor so we licensed the workout now to instructors and so she opened it in chile and had this amazing reaction and what i've noticed in the last five years is like we opened it in new york in well everywhere in the united states in dominican republic puerto rico mexico spain um where else Canada. Wow. Yeah. And women from all different backgrounds, all different um, economic backgrounds, ethnicities, ages, all have the same exact reaction to it. And it's wild. And that is that they feel alive, period. It, it awakens them. I like something that you've said before, and it was like a video interview that I saw, and it was about the color of the lipstick. Mm-hmm. Like a woman when they were a pink lipstick, like all they need to be told is like, that shit looks great on you. Yeah. And it's like that need to, to just feel alive. So whether it's on the lipstick or it's by dancing, like women are just craving that. They need to feel something. Well, I, yeah, hundred percent. I feel like all the messages that I put in Vixen have everything to do with that four years in my black hole. I felt invisible. I would go months and no one would even acknowledge my existence. I make sure that every single person, even the ones that look like they're hiding, like I know how to, I, that, and that's a gift. Going through all of that is a gift because I know who needs help. So someone who's hiding, 
I know that it's because they're comfortable in their in being invisible. So that's the person where you need to be like, damn, girl, you look good. And I train my staff to do that. I like that. Yeah. So like the girl who's hiding, that's the one that needs the most attention because she's comfortable in being invisible. So that's the one that you're like, you look good. Are those new pants? Your hair. Did you cut your hair? Because no one will ever tell her that. And that to her can change the trajectory of her entire life from that moment on. Wow. So that's the commonality that you find is that most of the people that are in your class feel some type of way about acknowledgement or feel kind of, I mean, I'm sure some of them come up to you and tell you their story too, no? Yeah. And they have amazing stories, amazing stories. I think the common thing and why Vixen has been successful is because we live in a society where since we are little, we are told to live in our heads and none of the answers are in our heads. Everything is here. So we, we learn to tune out our bodily selves and our GPS to everything that we're supposed to be and everything that we're supposed to do is lives in our bodies. And our society separates the mind and the body. And when you dance, you shut off your consciousness and you just focus on what it is that you feel. These are my fingers. <laughs> like literally, you start the class with just breathing. And then these are my fingers. These are my legs. This is my body. And you're like, oh shit, this is me as a body. Like you, <laughs> you never do that. <laughs> Add music. And then I purposely put music that makes you feel powerful. Music that makes you feel aggressive. Music that makes you feel sexy. Music that m- taps into all the layers of your womanhood that you, would no- that you would not normally tap into. The fact that it's only women in a closed space with the lights off makes it okay because there's no one judging you. And the fact that it's like you're out of your mind and just focusing. You have to focus so hard on, on following the moves That's why it's important that it's not too easy and it doesn't look like aerobics. It's supposed to look like stage and it's supposed to be challenging because you have to be so focused that your mind doesn't have time to be like, you look fat or you look dumb. That You don't have time for those messages. So what happens is that you've experienced yourself for the first time a lot of times and that light gets reignited or it gets turned on for the first time. So then all of a sudden after class, you have this whole new view. You go outside, you're like, oh shit, the sky's blue. Is that a bird chirping? <laughs> like, yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, you get like... You take Vixen out of the gym and into your life. Exactly. It's like the piano gets tuned finally. And you're like, oh my God, that's what, this is what the, the world is supposed to see and sound like. You become alive and it becomes addicting. That feeling becomes addicting. So when you come back, And so what happens is to people who have never worked out before come and they're just having a good time with their friends. And the whole thing where you have to dress up for class gives you a purpose to dress up because you would not do that normally because you have kids and a husband and women feel bad to take time to put to get ready because you feel like you're taking away time from your kids, which is BS. So but for class, you have to do that. So you get dressed up for yourself, not for a man to come to class. You make great friends there so it's the community aspect which is needed for your mental health as well you go and you dance so you tap into your bodily self so it and the physical effects are almost just a perk yeah you burn like what um, up to a thousand yeah calories yeah, yeah the burn is crazy but because you're going so hard yeah you know you do like and it's so like you end up sweating like drenched But okay, what about somebody like me that has like three left feet? Because I don't have two, I have three. Because I literally cannot. Like, to dance but that's for your my mind. Life. 
That's your mind. Really? You, yeah, that's your mind keeping you from living your best life. Okay, mm. I'm going to go to your class Preach. and I am not going to go to the back. Preach, Janet. It's true. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's true. You should as, definitely try it. I, as, that's what I tell to. everyone because dance is like, we come equipped with dance. Language is learned. Our bodies come equipped with the instinct to move, to dance. That's how we communicate period so everyone can dance it's the most natural thing obviously it's not so you think you could dance right you know but the the instinct to move the instinct to dance the necessity to dance in order to heal that's something that i think the world is missing because the body keeps trauma and the body knows things that the mind has no idea how to process how do you explain an emotion like when you are depressed, how do you articulate that into words? And even then, someone could tell you what it is that you need to do to fix your depression. What are you going to do? Like your mind can know what you need to do, but... No, you're absolutely right. It's yeah. like it, it goes with along with fear or any type of feeling, really. Exactly. Like your body... Oh, it's and Then your body like also like, you know... Tr- it becomes like body aches and like tension and it's disease. Real life disease. Yeah. yeah. Disease because trauma lives in the body. So you need to let that out. And the only way to let that out is through movement. Right. Wow. I'm learning something. Yeah. That's great. I'm Literally, take if, your you're class. Ever, if you're ever feeling like in a funk, put a song that resonates with you. There's, you know, that one song or several songs that you just, it just makes you feel that hits you like, oh makes you feel and just move alone in a room just move it doesn't have to look like anything just jump around i'm gonna turn the lights off (laughs) exactly just move let yourself feel and you'll see that you're like holy shit i feel like i just had like 10 years worth of therapy right what's your song like what's that song for you i have so many songs it probably changes a lot right yeah i'm so like I'll, i'll i'll go to work and i'll be listening to like classical music like I'll literally be listening to like Mozart and then come to work and listen to Meek Mill. Like, it's just, yeah. like I love music and music taps into different parts of me. So it depends on what I'm going through that day. It depends on, you know, even even if someone I know is going through something, I'm very sensitive to energy. So if someone comes to my class and is close to me and I feel her sadness, I'll get sad. And then I'll listen to music based on like energies that I absorb. Super weird, but yeah. Wow. And congrats. You just had a baby eight months ago, right? Yeah. You look phenomenal. She, yeah. I mean, thank you. She's a vixen. The, yeah. best, <laughs> yeah. the best whoops of all time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, it was like a long wait, right? Because you have a nine year old. It, it was a whoops. It wasn't a wait. Like I wasn't, oh. I was good with my, I was good with Ava. Yeah. I was Oh, good. it was an oops. Yeah, I had just opened the studio and the week after I found out that I was pregnant. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I was like, oh Lord. <laughs> and then now you have a baby boy? A baby girl. Bro- Another girl. Yeah, Brooklyn. Oh, Bro- I, love I love that, that name. name. Thank yeah. you. It's a great oh, name. That's yeah. a really good name. Awesome. Are they yeah. dance? Uh, not not the, the eight month old, obviously, but the nine year old. Does yeah. she dance? Yeah, she dances. Great. She yeah. takes after her mama. I didn't push the subject. Really? Yeah. Her friend started to go to class and she asked. And I was like, okay. Aw, you've really <laughs> been so proud. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, okay. This is like a big But you deal. have to know that you are definitely an inspiration to her and like a great role model. I don't know. She's embarrassed. <sighs> but she that's won't what be they for long. Now. Yeah. That changes. I was like, she was doing level up and I was trying to be the cool mom and show her that I know the choreography too. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh my God, mom, are you trying to ruin my life right now? Aww. Like seriously, sit down. What are you Aww. doing? 
I was like, I'm the cool mom, Ava. Yeah. I know, right? Uh, we think we're cool. I'm a cool aunt. And uh, then I realized they don't want to hang out with me. Uh, <laughs> like, please, I swear, I listen to Mick Mill. Uh, right? <laughs> no, I, I really don't. But um, but congrats also on the studio. Thank you have you. a big, big, big studio in yeah, Winwood. Yeah. So anybody listening and wants to go, check it out in Miami. She's in Winwood. Yes. And it's so cool because it looks like a backstage dressing room. So you walk in and there's tour crates and oh, there's that's awesome. like, yeah. And there's like a huge vanity with director's chairs. So it's, it's like you're walking into what the backstage looks like in an arena before you go on stage. And so when you walk into the dance room, it's like a huge marquee with lights and it's built like a stage. So there's stage lights and the floor is the same floor they use and like the most amazing stages. And so you feel like you're, it's, it's really the full experience. That's yeah, awesome. I have to go to the new studio. I haven't yeah. gone. We'll go together. Yeah, we'll go. We'll take a class. I want to do one. And so, okay, if somebody wants to go. There's packages that they can do. Do they just? You can do a one-off. Like, yeah, you work? could come. You could come and try a class. Um, on Saturdays we have a 101, which is like Vixen Basics. Oh, oh that's funny. Yeah, and <laughs> we offer so that for free, so it's free to newbies. And then you could stay after and do that morning class. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then we have classes in the mornings, and then um, six, seven, and eight in the evenings. But for those of you that are listening that are not in Miami, you have classes nationwide. So we have anywhere. To, yeah, we have they classes nationwide with our certified instructors and internationally. And in January, we are launching Vixen On Demand. So oh. you'll be able to stream our classes. And do them at home? And do them at home. Ooh, I like that. Because forever who doesn't have the time to go, I would live in West Palm Beach. So yeah. for me, it'd be like kind of like so a train. So you have to take the train. App. I, oh, I the that's go- true. I haven't bright, tried it yet. Light, yeah, bright line. Bright line. I yeah, bright line. I don't know. Yeah. Think of a watch. Um, but then is that going to be an app? Well, we're going to be in the Neo U platform. So basically, Neo U is going to be like a Netflix of fitness. So there's going to be other brands in there, and we are going to have our home brand in there. So you could get the app, and then you have access to other workouts itself. But we'll be in there with our workouts. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's amazing. Can you share with our listeners where they can find you and, you know, yeah. your website? Our website is VixenWorkout.com. And our Instagram is at VixenWorkout. And if you want to check out the Vixen Army, just look up the hashtag Vixen Army on Instagram. And that'll connect you with all of the ladies all over. And do you have a personal account? Yeah. It's Janet underscore Jones. Perfect. Yeah. Because I'm sure some girls are going to want to follow you directly too. Yeah. yeah. And how has the Vixen Army made an impact in your life oh it's like I wake up every single day with so much purpose and it's like this really cool feeling that I don't know if I would be able to work this hard and the sacrifices that being an entrepreneur takes if it was just for my personal ambition if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yes you feel a responsibility that it's like it's almost like the God or whatever you believe in the universe gave you this opportunity and has opened all these doors and given you the success for a responsibility to do your part in making it better. To serve. To serve. Exactly. And I think for anyone that is kind of like looking for something to do or unsure, but know in their hearts, like that ha- they have that feeling that they want more. They just don't know what. It's that. It's like find what your gifts are. And use it to serve and the universe will open up in your favor. Promise. That's great. Yeah. It That's is great advice that. to mm-hmm. end the conversation. It's amazing. I think you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and I love it. I can't wait to go to the new studio. Yay. And thank you for your time, you should Janet. Do a win with, you should do a podcast that day. 
Come oh, over. can we do it from there? Yeah. Oh, we would <gasps> love to do that. That would be amazing. Maybe like a Girls Gone Boss and Vixen Workout collab. Yeah, I love that. And then we cool. bring some of our listeners. Yeah. And that would be dope. We could do like a brunch and have like mimosas. Ooh. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Love Done. it. Okay, yeah, guys, done. you heard it first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. go back you heard it first. No. Oh, Great. thank you, Janet. It honestly was amazing talking to you. Ditto. You're a huge inspiration and you've you touched 100,000 women's lives and more to come. So thank, thank you. you. Thank guys. you for what I you're love, doing. Congrats on this. I'm so thank excited. You. Oh, thank Let's you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we hope that Janet's story inspired you just as much as it inspired us. Go follow her and follow us at Girls Gone Boss on all social media platforms. We are now on Win With Radio. Yeah. And Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. Spotify. Everywhere else podcasts are available. We're there. Thank you. So see you next week. Bye. Bye. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.